media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. Sunday morning, it certainly is. My name is Ashraf Gardar. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and hopefully we're going to give you what you want uh, as far as uh, brand communications and media communication goes uh, over the next two hours. To call in, and I would love to hear from you, first-time callers, regulars, wherever you may be around the country, particularly if you have strong views, 0891104207, uh, SMS is 34701. Then you have the option to tweet. If you are tweeting, do use the hashtag media show, and you can tweet to me at Ashraf Garda, also tweet to, to SAFM Radio. So, lots indeed to talk about. There's a fascinating discussion coming up later on about how government can and maybe should be helping grow black-owned advertising agency that comes up uh, in a few minutes, or half an hour, in fact, uh, at about 9.30. But to get us there, let's talk about the U.S. presidential election. I'm not going to discuss who's going to win and what have you and who's a better president and who may well be and whether the Democrats or the Republicans will all sway, I don't know. More importantly, I thought that there's an absolute fascination in terms of how they do their debates and how they give their speeches um, and, and that's like a story in its very own right. So I thought, we don't actually do it in our country, but how then, you know, how does, how effectively do U.S. presidential candidates uh, communicate. And that's what we're going to talk about now. So my guest is Dr. Kofi Kowaku, who's an Africa analyst and strategist. Kofi, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Thanks very much, Ashra. Thank you. All right. Broadly, I mean, is it an issue that that should matter how a presidential candidate communicates? Well, I'm asking that we don't ask those questions with regard to our politicians, or do we? We should ask those questions because the role of a president is really or at least a candidate is mm. the ability to articulate what they really mean, what they're going to do for the country. And communication becomes such a powerful instrument. It's linked to leadership, the ability to deliver, the ability to convince people that what you're going to do or what you're aspiring to do is something that's got a value proposition worth sharing mm. with mm. people and sharing it well. Okay. Uh, in fact, South Africa has been almost uh, behind the curve. Uh, last week and on Tuesday, on Thursday, sorry, in Benin, they have their first uh, presidential debate, and it was just brilliant. Okay. Uh, and we're missing out on all of that, unfortunately. Okay, let, let's then talk about the USA. So just broadly, uh, as, as an opening line, how, how do these U.S. presidential candidates communicate? Well, how effectively, in fact? Hmm. What they have is, it's, it's very interesting to see how they are um, very much serious about convincing people. And even if you want overwhelming them with their strategy and what they want to do but the end game um, is really to win the election so it's sort of a zero-sum game mm -hmm. so they have to sort of step on other people they have to be very brash bully uh, tough trash talking and many of them will do that just to get ahead and which makes it a little bit difficult not all of them but for the most part the end justifies the means because, because up to now this is interesting the actual presidential run-up hasn't started. At the moment, the debates are party debates internally. And, and the way they articulate their differences is something we don't ever see in our country, isn't it? Yes, With regards to a, 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 
I, I'm just thinking EFF, DA, ANC um, is the three major parties. Uh, I don't see sort of leading candidates knocking each other off because I mean they really, you know, to 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 sort of borrow street speak, they they diss each other. They diss each other in public in front of thousands of people. Yeah, that's a that's a culture you have in the United States, and they've got this culture for a while now, where they built up the ability to 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 get the quote unquote the best. It's not quite true, but at least somebody who comes in, the, the competition is tough. We don't have that culture yet. Ours is a little bit fragmented. We don't put people out. And they start very early. Some start to campaign. In fact, I would tell you that uh, Hillary Clinton has been campaigning for the past 20 years (laughs) right underneath the cover of her husband. And then Trump is starting in 2000, so that's a very long time. But, But what is important for them is to make sure that they stay in the minds of people, they work the propaganda, they work the speech, they work the, uh, if you want, the channels. They're visible everywhere. The message keeps changing depending on how they win here or they lose there. And they continuously have an army of advisors who give them, you know, ways and tips on how to go about really making sure that the other candidate loses. And, and these, these army of advisors, do, do, do I get the point that... You know, when you think about a, a, a news uh, who's been sort of cloned and sort of put up there, are, are we seeing that? That means how many of these presidential candidates, when they talk, actually speak from their hearts? And, and the answer probably would be no, right? The or how many no. of them are absolutely modelled by... 20 people strategizing to say, you will say this. I mean, they, most of them are so genetically modified. And then these armies of people behind them trying to get what the public thinks about them. Why is this this way? you got to model, you know, uh, sp- uh, uh, you know, tell them what they want to know, what they want to hear. But what is really interesting for this year is we have a candidate that's really sort of an outlier almost, uh, Donald Trump. Trump yeah. That's correct who is just telling it the way he feels and then also playing on the sentiment of other people. He's brush, he's a bully, he's a trash talker. He wants people to just feel something in it, to just wake them up. And he's succeeding. I mean, based on his past record, I mean, you remember The Apprentice, he usually did it for 11 years, and that has given them a platform. He understands the medium. He really understands also the media. He understands the psyche, the perceptions, and he just bundled all of that and he just throws them out. I mean, saying to uh, uh, people in the U.S., especially black people in the U.S., we're talking about Black Lives Matters, and he said, he said, well, if if you guys think Black Lives Matters, why don't you go to Africa and see if it matters there? I mean, that just shakes people up, yeah, and it gets he, them wrapped up. Calls you, yeah, exactly. But I mean, okay, so 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 broadly, that that broad question, mm. you know, the the U.S. Uh, presidential candidates are, are they communicating effectively? And maybe just a quick run-through of a few names and your thoughts on them. In large part, they are. They're very serious. There is no winning strategy without the media. And there is no winning without, um, if you want, a communication strategy. Political communication is taken a different toll. I mean, it's a goosebump business. The economics of it is big, big money. Uh, Trump is worth about, what, 4.5 or $5 mm-hmm. billion, dollars, and he's putting a good chunk of that money into it. And so they are communicating effectively. They're getting their messages out, but it's tough, it's competitive, it's ruthless, and it's almost barbaric. I get mm-hmm. it, I just want to win. So it's a zero-sum <laughs> game. I, is it, I'm just thinking, of, I watched the Gladiators movie the other day, again. Right? Is, is it something like that, like a modern form of, of Gladiators 
one being put against the other and there's just only one winner and they will take no prisoners. No prisoners, that's it. And in fact, what's really interesting to watch for us who are doing a lot of communication strategy is that, you know, you've got to win. So that zero-sum game, and then later on you can apologize to the guy in public or in private. But you've seen what Trump is doing. And I suspect, in fact, that he will mellow out. There's no way. I mean, he's got such a very poor foreign policy you know strategies that mm, nobody mm, knows mm, about mm, and mm. everybody's worried about uh, ranging from the president of Mexico to European leaders and then uh, if you want Africans who have no idea what's going to be and uh, we, we, we're not ready for this guy but I'm saying and I have to go out on a limb here perhaps he might be one of the candidates that, that could get Africans or African leaders to think a little bit different and tell them the truth Okay. well talking about you know uh, USA and people born outside the country I mean this, this this is one of those points about taking your prisoners, which uh, Donald, Donald Trump uh, commented on. Let, let's play that now. Uh, my friend Donald said that he had had his lawyers look at this from every which way. And there was no issue there. There was nothing to this birther issue. Now, <laughs> since September, the Constitution hasn't changed. <laughs> but the poll numbers have. I recognize that Donald is dismayed that his poll numbers are falling in Iowa. But the facts and the law here are really quite clear. Under long-standing U.S. law, the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. If a soldier has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why John McCain, even though he was born in Panama, was eligible to run for president. If an American missionary has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why George Romney, Mitt's dad, was eligible to run for president even though he was born in Mexico. At the end of the day, the legal issue is quite straightforward, but I would note that the birther theories that Donald has been relying on, some of the more extreme ones insist that you must not only be born on U.S. soil, but have two Parents born on U.S. soil under that theory, not only would I be disqualified, Marco Rubio would be disqualified, Bobby Jindal would be disqualified, and interestingly enough, Donald J. Trump would be disqualified. Because, because Donald's mother was born in Scotland, she was naturalized. Now, Donald... But on I was issue, born here. On the issue of citizenship, Donald. Big difference. On the issue of citizenship, Donald. I'm not going to use your mother's birth against you. Okay, so that's a comment uh, coming from candidate uh, that that's Cruz, right? Let's let's get Donald Trump's response. Well, let me just tell you something, and you know because you just saw the numbers yourself. NBC Wall Street Journal just came out with a poll headline. Trump way up, Cruz going down. I mean, so don't, so you can't, you can't, they don't like the Wall Street Journal, they don't like NBC, but I like the poll. And frankly, <laughs> it just came out. And in Iowa now, as you know, Ted, in the last three polls, I'm beating you. So, you know, you shouldn't misrepresent how well you're doing with the polls. You don't have to say that. In fact, I was all for you until you started doing that because that's a misrepresentation. Number one. Number two. This isn't me saying it. I don't care. I think I'm going to win fair and square. I don't have to win this way. Thank you. Lawrence tried. And numerous from Harvard, of Harvard, 
said that there is a serious question as to whether or not Ted can do this, okay? There are other attorneys that feel, and very, very fine constitutional attorneys, that feel that because he was not born on the land, he cannot run for office. Here's the problem. We're running, we're running. He does great. I win. I choose him as my vice presidential candidate. Okay, just uh, something you can pick up from their coffee. Well, what it is, it's 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 really straightforward, it's direct. Although Ted Cruz, you know, his logic makes sense. You know, he's attacking him on the constitutional side of things. You know, it's it's really nice. It, it it's reasonable. But when you hear the reply of of of, uh, of uh, uh, Donald Trump, mm. he just uses other people's uh, analysis to support what is. And and people like him. And the truth is, his numbers are growing in the polls. Is winning. I mean, Super Tuesday, he did very well. I mean, the margins of people voting for him is just scaringly winningful. And he's just showing that he's winning. So it doesn't matter if uh, people like him or not. But the result is. Well, what, what gets me thinking, how, how important is, uh, well, to state the obvious, how important is the audience? When these candidates talk, uh, and they talk sometimes in a debate, sometimes they're actually being interviewed on, on television or on radio or whatever, they have an audience. How important is that audience? Very important, but in fact, the audience has to be uh, candidates who know the audience well. It's now not much about rationality or logic. It's about emotions, how you can get them to feel something about what they hate, what they don't hate. So, in fact, t- uh, t- uh, Trump embodies the contradiction, the hate, the sort of bully factor, party crusher that the, the Time magazine is saying uh, has put up uh, mm. a very nice uh, uh, cover uh, cover article many many weeks ago is that people just are fed up with uh, uh, the US politics largely so they want somebody who can challenge that largely and it's emotional it's not justifiably logical and that's what Trump is understanding and he's using his uh, expertise and his skill as a television debater I mean after having spent uh, many years on uh, The Apprentice, well, the apprentice so, so he knows that but that's he knows yeah. that it's emotional Maybe a quick run through that in terms of. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let, let me let me play the, the clips from from the other side, okay? And then we'll just talk about who, in your opinion, is doing best in, in terms of communicating. So here's a clip from uh, Hillary Clinton. You know, today Senator Sanders said that President Obama failed the presidential leadership test, and this is not the first time that he has criticized President Obama. Uh, in the past, he's called him weak. He's called him a disappointment. He uh, wrote a foreword for a book that uh, basically argued uh, voters should have buyer's remorse when it comes to uh, President Obama's uh, leadership and legacy. And I just couldn't agree, disagree uh, more uh, with uh, those kinds of comments. You know, from my perspective, maybe because I understand what President Obama inherited, not only the worst financial crisis, but the antipathy of the Republicans in Congress. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for being a president who got us out of that dirt, put us on firm ground, and has sent us into the future. And it is a the kind of criticism that we've heard from Senator Sanders about our president, I expect from Republicans. I do not expect from someone running for the Democratic nomination to succeed, President Obama. That is- Okay, so that's uh, Hillary Clinton. Let, let's get Sanders and his response. Uh, Madam Secretary, that is a low blow. 
I have worked with President Obama for the last seven years. When President Obama came into office, we were losing 800,000 jobs a month, 800,000 jobs a month. We had a $1.4 trillion deficit, and the world's financial system was on the verge of collapse. As a result of his efforts and the efforts of Joe Biden against unprecedented, I was there in the Senate, unprecedented Republican obstructionism, we have made enormous progress. But you know what? Last I heard, we lived in a democratic society. Last I heard, a United States senator had the right to disagree with a president, including a president who has done such an extraordinary job. So I have voiced criticisms. You're right, maybe you haven't. I have. But I think to suggest that I have voiced criticism, this blurb that you talk about, you know what the blurb said? Blurb said that the next president of the United States has got to be aggressive in bringing people in to the political process. That's what I said. That is what I believe. <laughs> president Obama and I are friends. As you know, he came to Vermont to campaign for me when he was a senator. I have worked for his re-election, his first election, and his re-election. All right, so there we are. That, that's Sanders responding, but uh, not necessarily picking up on the response. Just generally, good time to talk about then. Of all these candidates, we're not saying who's going to win the, the, the nomination and the U.S. election. That comes up down later in the year. But who, in your opinion, is communicating the most effectively of the whole lot and why so? I think Trump is really kicking it really well in this dogfight. Um, he's, he's brush, he's straightforward. Um, he irritates people, but he gets the result. Uh, communication is about the end point. Communication is, you know, it's, it's a means to an end. And today, people might not like whatever he said, but if we say that you have effective communication, mm. if your expected outcome or outcomes are aligned with your intended goals, and what Trump is doing is perhaps successful. We may not like it. I, I don't like mm, it, mm, particularly mm. if I look at his foreign policy, whatever he's saying, but he's successful. Uh, Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton is doing quite well. She's really on a tough spot there, but I think uh, she comes next to him, but Trump is really doing very so, well. So, in your opinion of all the candidates, you're saying Trump is communicating the most effectively? Uh, very effectively. In this the result, fight, the, resu the, dog fight, the result is showing it. The media war, the messaging is straight on point. The channels, I mean, you're using what, what's called, uh, you're using the prostitute well. You know, it's a way of saying the press is now, instead of a prostitute, the mm, press has mm, become mm. what's called a prostitute. And they're just after him. And whatever they do, they can't tear him down. But it's a tough one to say if he's going to really win the nomination. But in terms of communicating you effectively, so? he's probably you, the You're best saying so that, that uh, Clinton's, she's doing fine but it's it's tough for why, why how does she compare to uh to to um trump uh, trump i'm just keeping in mind they're not competing with each other as yet as yet right but still i mean in terms of public mind they are they are yeah. they are already competing because they're doing by proxy by messaging and so forth and the reason for clinton is uh, she's really come with a, a legacy communication and background political legacy that makes it really tough uh through her husband the kind of thing she's done as a secretary of state with the email at the state department so the republicans have been pounding on her for close to at least 20 years and people see that over and over and over so that negative perception is really difficult for but her but to how is it for her to overturn a difficult negative 
perception, yet it's okay for Donald Trump to do so. Because he, even in the present tense, is negative. But see, because she hasn't been negative, she's playing safe. And because she's playing safe in a country where, you know, a dogfight is better to see than a, a little cockfight, people will say, look, we like this guy, he's brash, you know, sort of uh, uh, wrestling matches. And, and it's, it's the culture that really uh, calls for this kind of uh, confrontational. And people will go for the top dog. And the top dog right now is Donald Trump. Okay. Oh, wait, mind one, 104207, by the way, uh, if you wish to join in on this conversation. So what, in your opinion, is, how do you answer this one? Which one of the... U.S. presidential candidates is communicating most effectively. Dr. Kofi Kowaku, my guest, he believes it's Donald Trump, which is not to say he's the right person to lead the country. That's a different debate completely, okay? We're just looking at communication. Feel free to tweet as well using the hashtag uh, media show. Tweet to me at Ashraf Ganda and uh, option three is to SMS me to 34701. So Dr. Kofi Kowaku is an African um, Africa analyst and strategist. So, so let's then talk about, you were talking earlier about one of the dark points that you sent to me about, about getting context to all of I mean, how can we understand context in so far as how important, you use the word press just now, or prostitute, how important is it to get the media on your side to, for some reason, to buy into your emotional connection? A simple world is money, economics, imali, which means if you have the resources, you're able to sway a large chunk of people. This year, I think the candidates have a lot of money. I think if you look at on the side of Hillary Clinton, she's, I can't really remember the amount of resources she's managed to muster, but she's got a lot of people behind her, old people, especially in the Democratic Party. And you've listened to her talk now. She's, by association, she's also building up using the name of President Obama, mm, which mm. is very, very interesting because she needs him behind him. He's got an emotional capital that's so important to have, and that emotional capital will translate into real money later. Uh, Trump has got his real, his own money coming out with it. So it's very, very important for them to really know that money really matters in this context. How, how much importance is attached to these very public debates in terms of convincing voters in a, in a certain, let's call it constituency from a South African perspective, uh, when they're voting at one of these primaries? Right. How important the is first that? one is it's important because they feel good. People want to know who are these people going to run us? Who are the people, even if they don't like them, they want to hear what they have to say. What is their program? What is their agenda? What are they hoping to do for the country? Are they addressing the issues that really matter for the country? So what you're saying, the debate does matter. The debate it, does it matter. It does inform people in making decisions it, that it Possibly get them to sway their decisions. As very, well. very important. All right, let's get a, let's get a quick call. You need to get your headphones on. Uh, from I think it's Craig Old Park. Uh, Nina, hi. Hi. Yes, Nina. Hi. Um, you know, I'd like to firstly say something about um, sort of Hillary and Trump, and then say something about the ANC. Um, as far as Hillary goes, I think the term that you've used is the top dog wins. Yeah. And actually, if you're in a dog eats dog world, you're in a male world. And I think that's, that's the issue, that you've also got male-female dynamics. Apart from the fact that what you've got, strangely, is in an inversion where Hillary is being the person who is quietly rational and Trump is do, being explosively emotional. So I'd like some kind of comment on that in terms just of the male-female um, dynamic. And, and what's, your, what's your thoughts about that, the, the rational versus emotional? Who wins on that one there, according to you, Nina? Well, the point is that historically, women are always blamed for being emotional, and we always say that men are rational. But in fact, it's an interesting thing here, because you're seeing an inversion, mm. and I say that Trump wins, and it's very dangerous, of course, for the world, and 
and this is a curiosity that people should sort of meditate on. But I just want to say one more thing, Ashraf, about the ANC and about saying we don't have these debates here. Yeah. I think we do have the debates. And the ANC's voice is the voice of the struggle. And so it's an ongoing debate. It's not standing up on a podium, but it's an ongoing discussion, and their, their point is reiterated continuously. The struggle, the struggle wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of co- conversely, you then have a person like Maimani, who I think is a bit like um, Hillary, that is sort of quietly rational, and it's, it's absolutely got no power in comparison. All right, so let, let's get an answer. Okay, the fact is, you, you're right about the general 20-year, 30-year narrative, but there's no direct debate. But I certainly get your point, Nina. Thanks for that call. Let's get a response. Coffee, go, go through that. Yeah, I think Nina has got a point. Um, to a certain degree, uh, the comparison with South Africa is probably not yet there. I mean, we, uh, as much as she said that uh, we have a debate, um, I would uh, probably not agree with her. We don't have an open debate yet. There may Direct be a deb- debate. Exactly. Yeah. We, we want a debate which is largely open, transparent to a lot of people, and people can say, look, you know, can we get, for example, the NC people to debate among themselves and see who's the best there and get the DAs and so forth? This is a good thing. It has nothing to do with this uh, U.S thing that we want to bring here. Uh, uh, people now want to know, who are the people going to lead us? Can they articulate what means, what's really matters for us? And then, uh, finally, the idea of uh, male and, and female, I think Nina's yeah. got a very powerful point there. This is going against uh, Hillary, and, and I think Trump's going to use it to really pound on her if he's uh, elected and if they're going after each other. He's going to use that very, very well. And uh, as you know, the U.S. is sort of a macho, patriarchal environment and it's going to go, it's going to play against Hillary. But we can't say really if Trump is going to win, but there's a four, there's a really large chance, a big one that he might squeeze out. Okay. Let, let's wrap up. Is there, is there one other thing that you want to add to the conversation? That to to me, what is really sense. important is economics of uh, strategic communication and also public communication, transparent ones. You need a lot of resources, especially in the United States, but also here. You know, we have no idea right now, you know, the, the local elections are coming. We have no idea who are the candidates. There's no conversation about it. So we have a lesson. One lesson is to make it transparent, make it more visible, but also government communication is something that we are need to, we're going to have to And, work and the around. fact that whether it's in South Africa, whether it's in the USA, or all around the world, that, that you need resources does not make it so unequal. It does. But inequalities are almost everywhere now. You can't communicate without resources today because of the nature of the medium. The media needs that. You need to get people, the messaging, uh, pay for advertising, the commercial imperatives of most of these stations. And it makes it so difficult that you have to have some resources. Okay, which means those who have the money effectively, effectively have, uh, have the front seat to try and uh, And technology. Wow, related. Coffee, thank you so much for your time. Most appreciated. Dr. Coffee Kuaku.